They shift him from right to left. Play action to that side. Rolling right, looking. Fires in the end zone. Got a man. Oh, touchdown. That's a tight end from 15 yards out. Welcome to the Bowl Season Stories Podcast, Season 3, Episode 17. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season, and today we are joined by American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco and Jacksonville State Head Football Coach Rich Rodriguez. If you missed any of our previous episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Today's show is brought to you by Sport Radar, reimagining immersive experiences for sports fans and betters. Our first guest has been the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference for its entire 10-year existence. He was first named commissioner of the Big East Conference in August of 2012, and in the wake of significant conference realignment, conducted a strategic reinvention of the conference, which became the American Athletic Conference in 2013. Please welcome to the show, Commissioner Mike Oresco. Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, hi, Nick. A pleasure to be with you, Nick. Thank you, and uh, happy holidays to everybody there. Hard to believe 10 years has gone by. I was there when you started. I like to think I played a small role in helping you get the American started. You obviously took it uh, to great lengths since then. Um, I want to kick it off. You just announced your retirement a week or so ago. Congratulations on that. You've been doing great work for a long time. Um, I want to ask you to reflect on your 10 years as commissioner. When you took the job in 2012, did you ever think you would be in this role for that long? Well, you know, Nick, uh, I guess if you count the Big East time, you know, it's probably getting on 11 years, right? 12 years, been 10 years, decade of our conference. This is our 11th year. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't think I'd probably go this long, but uh, I think probably went a year longer than I intended because of the realignment and bringing in the six new schools. I really didn't want to leave without at least making sure they were fully integrated into the conference. But, uh, you know, Nick, you were there at the, at the time, you know, the, the Big East pretty much dissolved and, and the, the basketball schools left. And I do remember something that that you a conversation you and I had. It was and it was interesting because you, you, you and Donna DeMarco are probably the only ones left. Maybe Chuck Sullivan, who were there at the very beginning and understood the, the complete, you know, disaster we were facing at the time. But you remember we were debating whether to keep Boise or not, right? They they had certain demands that uh, we felt, you know, and I think you felt strongly we we should not give into because you know it would have disrupted the camaraderie eventually of the conference. And when they finally left, I remember thinking, oh, you know, we've got some problems, but you know, and and I remember you had said, I think we're going to be fine. You know, I think we've got enough good schools, and at the time, no one thought so because no one knew how good UCF was at the time, right? Uh, no one knew that Temple and others were investing and had great coaches. And next thing you know, you know, that first year, UCF wins the Fiesta Bowl and beats Baylor, right? 20-point under, you were there, you know, and, and you were still with us then. And and I, I I haven't forgotten that, you know, you know, what I had to do is show confidence to the membership, as you recall, that we were gonna be around, that, that you know, it was constant communication, um, we, it could have easily gone, gone away, right? You look at the PAC 12, uh, it's pretty much dissolved and it could have happened to us, but we did have schools that were ready to come in. The only issue was, would they come in, right? You remember that 
people were worried that with San Diego State and Boise not coming in with the basketball schools gone, you know, if, um, for example, SMU or Houston had gone to the Mountain West, I'm not sure it wouldn't have cratered. You know, uh, the other schools might have gone back to Conference USA. We still had some holdovers from, uh, you know, the old Big East, but who knows what would have happened. So we we held it together. And, and yes, you were instrumental and, and you handled our football for for a while, but, you know, you know, a couple of years, I think, before we, you know, you left, um, you know, I think, um, you know, and that was a, a, a really important period for us getting established. So uh, it's been a great it's been a great run with the new conference. I'm not sure, Nick, it's going to be the same going forward, you know, and that's not why I'm leaving, because I really love what I do. It's time to go. You know, I, I'll be 74 in, uh, in, in May. That's enough. You know, my wife and I want to do some things, but it will become, as you know, tougher with the new rules, all the, you know, the year in residency gone, the, you know, the, the NIL, uh, you know, a lot of things going on that really, uh, we built our conference by, by finding those great players that were really underappreciated. Right. And then we developed them and they became great players and they typically wanted to stay and they didn't just transfer willy nilly. And, and we built a, a tremendous conference and we had a great run, but you know, it, it's going to be a more, a, probably more challenging going forward is my guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is Mike, but uh, really uh, a lot of respect for the work that you did over the 10 years and uh, really, really something special you built there. And, Speaking of which, it's a special time of year right now. It's bowl season's my favorite season of the year. Uh, serves as a reward for football programs across the country at the end of a successful season. Tell us about your specific bowl partnerships and why bowl games are so important to your football programs in the American. Well, you know, Nick, first of all, I appreciate the work you've done for bowl season because you've really rejuvenated the concept. And, and you know, and basically, I think it's it, brilliant to tie it all together and make sure people understand that it's really integrated. It's a season. And I, I don't know why people take shots at it, because the point is people love the bowl games. I mean, it's the highest rated two or three weeks of ESPN's entire year. People love watching the games. I'll watch any game. It doesn't matter what it is. People really love college football. Unlike a lot of other sports, you can just sit down and watch a football game at any point, right, and, and enjoy it. And I think the bowls provide a lot of value to not only the schools participating, but you know, the fans who enjoy following the games on TV, the fans who enjoy going, the communities who enjoy hosting the games. You know, we've got, you know, as you know, we've got the Frisco Bowl tonight and we've got, um, you know, Boca Raton. We've got South Florida tomorrow. Um, you know, we're in the, the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. You know, Roof Claim and Scooters are also sponsors of the two I first mentioned. Military is, is going to be Tulane. Unfortunately, a lot of their players are opting out. And that's one of the issues as you know we've had with some of the bowls that aren't at the top tier even the ones that are you get a lot of opt-outs you're getting a lot of opt-outs now even in the new year six which you never saw before uh fenway's a big game for us you know smu bc as you know i feel very strongly smu should have been a new year six team uh that still rankles for me but it's something we have to deal with and then of course we're in the liberty bowl we had a backup for that and so we've got you know, um, Memphis in that game, and typically we haven't been in it, you know, every year, but it's a great game when we are in it. And and so consequently, we've got, you know, good group of bowl games. Uh, we, you know, didn't have as many bowl teams as we probably anticipated beginning of the year. In part, we were pretty top heavy in our conference, Nick, this year. You know, we had four really good teams that three of them went undefeated in the conference. And so consequently, you know, we did not have quite as many, you know, if, if you look at it, you know, quite as many bowl appearances and, 
you know, a couple of other of our bowls are going to get filled elsewhere. But in terms of, um, you know, what the bowls have meant to us, well, first of all, the New Year's Six is, as you know, critical for us. And it was critical. You were in those meetings, Nick, back in uh, 2012. And you remember, you kind of had to carry the fight alone to just make sure we had a slot for the so-called G5. As you know, we didn't even know where the Big East stood at the time. It wasn't It was still the Big East. And we had to get that that slot because if it had been just based on ratings, rankings, we might never have been in the New Year's Day six or we wouldn't have been in it anywhere near as many times. We've had four wins, as you know, in those games. You know, we obviously beat Baylor when they were a top five team. We beat Florida State with Houston when they were a top 10 team. You know, Cincinnati had the great games and, and had that heartbreaker against Georgia, which they should have won, uh, got to make the playoff, which nobody ever thought we could accomplish. And then obviously we had uh, the big Fiesta Bowl game with US, US uh, excuse me, UCF, and, and they didn't have Mackenzie Milton then, but the previous year they beat Auburn and, and shocked everyone with that Peach Bowl win. We, we had some good luck in the Peach Bowl until that, that really tough Cincinnati loss. But when we didn't win those games, we had close games. You know, we had a Cotton Bowl game with uh, uh, you know Memphis and, and Penn State. Penn State was almost a playoff team that year. And then finally, last year, USC-Tulane. I mean, that was one of the most exciting games, especially that fourth quarter that anyone's ever seen. And that's what makes it all worthwhile. You know, for all the frustrations you have with the P5 and the G5 and all the different issues you have to fight constantly, and, you know, I've had to deal with that that makes it all worthwhile when you see the kids be able to accomplish something like that and to, to come from behind uh, in 1,162 games, only one team had done that from 15 points down with four minutes left and, and they became the second two lanes. So that was pretty satisfying. In the meantime, we've had a lot of wins in middle level games. We've had some heartbreak here and there, but you know, we appreciate the tie-ins and we appreciate what the bulls do we appreciate ESPN's support of the Bulls, the flexibility. We appreciate what, what you've done to, to, you know, again, to make sure that people understand what the Bull season really involves. And again, the um, think about it, the military bowl, you know, the, uh, the armed services bowl, the first responders bowl, honoring, you know, uh, you know, not only our service people, but our first responders. There's a lot of good that the Bulls do that people aren't necessarily always focused on or aware of. And you may remember, Nick, you were responsible for for founding the Miami Beach Bowl, which, you know, we had that great uh, Memphis-BYU game to kick it off, no pun intended. And then eventually we we sold the game to ESPN. They moved it to Frisco, but they be, it's become a staple of the bowl season. Uh, and finally, the way, the way I look at it is these bowls mean a lot to the teams playing, gives them a chance to end their season on a high note. Uh, and it also allows them some extra time to practice. The coaches love to, to get that extra time in. In addition, you know, the fans enjoy attending the, uh, the sponsors and, and the, the TV ratings speak for themselves. And the sponsors have always been there, you know, new ones from time to time, but they're always there. And then the communities that support these bowl games. So I'm, I'm, you know, I just don't understand why people sometimes say, well, too many bulls. I, I don't, as far as I was, I'm concerned, if there were 50 bulls, it would mean there's a demand for 50 bulls. If there wasn't a demand, they wouldn't exist. Right. And yep. that's, that's how you, I, you, you would know, Mike, you've, you've been around and involved with bowl games for a long time, not just your 10, 11 years as commissioner, but going back to your days at CBS, when you negotiated agreements to televise bowl games on the network across all those years, what have been some of your favorite bowl season memories? Are there any games, are there any moments that really stand out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for us, those New Year's Six games are certainly ones that, you know, I'll never forget, especially the, uh, you know, UCF defeating Auburn, which was, you know, had beaten Alabama by two touchdowns. That was a year that, you know, Danny White proclaimed them eventually national champions. They were undefeated, the only undefeated team left and didn't get in the playoff. And, you know, Mackenzie Milton was a magic quarterback and they had a great team. Uh, that's a memory. I also never forget that first one because, you know, we went into that game, 20 point underdogs, I think uh, UCF, that was still the old BCS last year, the BCS and UCF was a 20 point underdog, which no one had been that, you know, uh, that much an underdog. And they ended up not only winning, but winning pretty handily over a, a good Baylor team, which had dominated the big 12. So that's a memory that certainly stands out. Um, Houston, of course, Cincinnati, you know, some of the heartbreak stands out even in more at times, right? We've lost some some tough games over the years, that Cincinnati-Georgia game. Uh, and even then, uh, you know, people realize that Cincinnati was a great team, probably could have easily been in the playoff. They might have had a better team in 2020 than even 21 when they did make the playoff. But got a lot of fond memories, uh, you know, especially, too, of, of some of the, you know, the middle-level games, you know, that we've been in that, you know, we – when, when Houston had a, a comeback where they recovered two onside kicks once <laughs> and it was unbelievable, you know, and then we had, you know, uh, we've had some good luck in, in some of the bowls. We've had some, some bad luck in some, but they've all been, um, they've all been fun. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, when, when you play these games, you're, you know, it, it means something to the teams. It really does. And, and I think fans, sometimes, I think some of the writers sometimes don't, fully appreciate what it means but for us um you know it's been those the new year six of course stand out why wouldn't they but a lot of the other games you know with, whether it's the military bowl whether it's you know um we, we've been in in a, a number of of others especially in in, in the state of texas you know we've well, been let me in ask you about some of those others mike because because next year the cfp is going to be expanding from four teams to 12 and everybody's excited about that. I mean, I'm a college football fan. It's not just my jobs. I'm looking forward to that. But but what we all need to remember is there's 36 other bowl games played during bowl season that won't factor into the national championship equation, but are still really meaningful to the institutions who participate in them. Tell us why that is the case. Well, I think, you know, the playoff, you're going to deal with 12 teams, right? But you've got that now, right, with the New Year's Six basically. And so it's right. not necessarily going to be, be more, it's just going to be, you'll see fewer opt-outs, you'll see more excitement. You know, you won't have the controversy you had this year with Florida state. Right. And, uh, and you know, that, that situation. Uh, but I think it just, it, it allows teams to go in and cap their season off. Right. You know, you don't have that in basketball. Everybody ends up a loser, right? Everybody in the NCAA tournament, until you win until the championship game goes out on a losing note right sure you make the final four it's a great achievement right but in a bowl situation you go out a winner if you win that game and i think it makes a big difference to the kids to to, to do that and to, and to have that opportunity you've probably seen it mike you go visit these schools in the off season if team goes to a bowl game let alone wins it that off season program, the weight room, everything around the building, there's a little extra hop in their step. Like it's a, it's a little bit of a launching point for the next season for a lot of programs too, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, you know, you look at uh, the military bowl, for example, Navy's had two huge wins in that game. Right. You know, and then the Navy was in the Liberty bowl and won beat Kansas state, you know, in the Liberty bowl, we had uh, 
you know, we've been in the New Orleans Bowl. We've we've been in the uh, the bowl in Birmingham when Houston beat uh, you know Auburn in that game, right? We've had you know we've been in the well, what was it the Gasparilla Bowl? Remember then the lawnmower one that you know and, yeah. and CF beat Florida, and then even though they were leaving the conference, it still was great to see it. And Memphis, you know, lost a heartbreaker to um, you know Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl one year. But even if they lose, it's a great experience for the kids. I, I really believe it, and I've always believed it. And I think, again, Nick, you've been involved now in, in this, and you've been involved in college football for a long, long time. So you, you were aware of all this before you, you, know, you became head of the bowl, um, the bowl games. But college football is unique, you know, and, and you, the playoff is the playoff, right? And it's fine. Nothing wrong with it. You know, we, you, America seems to want to have a champion, right? And not necessarily a mythical one, right? Like we used to have, but there's all these other games that, that have their own meaning. And uh, that was true even of, of the, the major bowls in the old days. If you won the sugar, you had a great season, right? You won the orange, whether you were national champions or not. So I've always felt that this is a great experience for the kids. Also, they get a chance. They do some charitable work. You know, they get to, they visit hospitals. They do great things in the community. The bowls contribute to the community. The bowls do a lot of great good in terms of charitable work. They have sponsor they sponsor events during the year. Uh, you know, I, I was involved, as you know, Nick, at CBS in the Sun Bowl for many years. That's one of the oldest bowls. People don't even realize it's one of the very oldest. You know. And that community has always supported that game. They always have 50,000 people. It doesn't matter which teams are in it. That community has always been involved in that bowl game. And it's it's great to see. It's, it's also true of other bowls around the country. And, you know, some bowls have come and gone, but others have been there forever. And uh, they've done a great job for their communities and for charitable work. Mike, in 2021, Cincinnati, who was in the American at the time, was the first uh, Mike, excuse me. I hate to say group of five. I, yeah. I hate that too, but they were, they were the first team outside of the conferences who were traditionally, you know, um, sending teams to those games, right? We know what we're talking about right. as the commissioner who had been fighting for access to the playoff for your teams for so many years, how satisfying was that? And it was, was it also a little bit bittersweet? Yeah, it was because they, we knew they were leaving of course. And, and that, you know, made it that way. On the other hand, it was immensely satisfying, Nick, and uh, because I always felt it would be a legacy for the American, as long as the American exists. And I think with a 14-team conference now, even if there's more realignment down the road, we're going to exist. We're going to be, you know, we're, we're going to thrive. Uh, it'll be different. Yeah, that was that was a seminal moment. And again, I felt that we had probably four or five teams worthy of playoff contention over the decade. And for them to make it, it took a lot, as you know, it... Um, you know, all the other conferences had pretty much two lost champions, uh, except for the SEC, which had two teams. Uh, Cincinnati deserved it. They had, they beat Notre Dame on the road. They had a great season. They had a great season prior to that. Uh, but it was still, you know, an uphill climb for them to get in. But it showed that we played football at a high level, which I always thought we did. I also thought that the playoff setup with only four teams was certainly going to make it hard for any so-called G5 team. You know, I hate that term, but that's that's reality. We have to deal with it. I hope it goes away down the road, but I don't think the media is going to let it go away. They'll still refer to the P4 now and then and then the you know the so-called G5. 
but it was it was extraordinarily satisfying to see that. And they also played competitively. You know, they didn't win, but they played competitively against Alabama. It gave them a better game than a lot of teams did over the years uh, against Nick Saban's teams. And he complimented them, said they were definitely a playoff team. I think Kirby Smart would have been happy to say that Cincinnati the year before was clearly a playoff team had they been able to get in. Uh, they had great players. Uh, Luke Fickle was a terrific coach, built a, a terrific program. Uh, and also one thing, Nick, too, I'll remember, you know, something that happened uh, when I went to Cincinnati, you know, they had already announced they were leaving. Right. And when that typically happens, you don't typically visit anymore because it's a little awkward. You know, it's a little awkward to uh, to go and visit a, a camp. But for the championship game, of course, I went up there and uh, I was very warmly received. But after the game, when it looked like Cincinnati would make the playoff. You can't believe a number of fans that came up to me and thanked me for what the American had done for Cincinnati and how it put him in that position. Because as you know, if Cincinnati had been playing in Conference USA or some of the others, and nothing, not to not Conference USA, but we had a great TV deal. We had exposure. They were getting ABC appearances. They were getting ESPN appearances. Everybody in our conference had some level of success during that decade, and it really built on itself. So without the conference, I'm not sure that would have happened. And you know, could they have recruited at the level they did? Could they have been in the in the conversation as much? So it was satisfying on a lot of different levels. Well, final question for you, Mike. You you've you've seen a lot in your ten years. You've dealt with two conference realignments. We're in an age of transition. We have the we have NIL. We have the transfer portal. A lot of disruption. A lot of things unsettled. You're you're probably picking a really good time to retire. But tell us, if you had a crystal ball, what do you think, or maybe I should say, what do you hope the next 12 months has in store for us? Well, you know, Nick, I'm not I'm not a prophet. On the other hand, uh, I hope there's some stability that, that comes in the next you know few months that I know Charlie Baker's working hard on trying to figure out, you know, I, I hope that some of these lawsuits go away. You know, they, they really are existential threats to what we're doing. You know, billions of dollars for nothing. You know, NIL was not legally, uh, you know, mandated in the last decade. So, you know, and there are reasons why we didn't pass NIL. You know, um, the other thing I'm hoping is that we can, we can you know, do something, Nick. I don't, I don't think we're going to bring your residency back, which created a lot of stability. Uh, but I think there might be some ways we can, we can organize the portal and everything else. So it's not quite what it is now, you know, it's, it's become, it's worse than the NFL. I mean, it's, it's just complete chaos. And I'm hoping that in the next uh, six or 12 months, we can get that to the point where at least there, there is some stability in the system. You know, I, I think for our group, it's a question of being poached pretty constantly now because you have a perfect storm of no year in residency and uh, NIL. The other thing, Nick, I, I'd love to see the media focus a little bit on the fact that we are educational institutions. I think they've pretty much given up on that. They act like we're just the pros now. We're the NFL. And and why not? And, and we're, why not? Everything has is, is been skewed toward giving student athletes, you know, total uh, freedom. But what that does is you had decades when we worked on competitive equity, right? We tried to level the playing field. People forget that there is a competitive aspect to this. That was the whole point of college sports. We tried to make sure that, sure, Tulane's not going to be Penn State, right? But they they could beat USC. They could have a team that could play at that level, right? Cincinnati could do what they did. UCF coming out of nowhere, you know, a school that wasn't that old, could start doing what they did. 
that was pretty exciting. And that's what, what I think this conference accomplished for 10 years. It, it really added a lot of interest and excitement to college sports. And I would like to see that uh, be able to continue in some form. It's going to get harder, as I said earlier. Uh, so that's that's what I'm hoping, that we can generate some, you know, maybe it, maybe it is a, a, a somehow collective bargaining of some kind. Now, that's a concept without getting into the weeds. Schools all have different revenues, right? Different bases. You know, you're not going to have the top 50 or so schools that can spend $100 million or more in their football budgets aren't the same as the schools that spend 20 to 50 to 70, even though those schools are very competitive. The question is, can you figure out something that, you know, says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to organize the portal so that we don't have two or 3,000, you know, kids in it many of them never finding another home. Uh, I'm hoping that that is, is something that we do. And also that we get rid of these lawsuits and maybe the Congress finally gives us some antitrust protection. Because the final thing I'll say, Nick, is you like to be able to run your own operation. You know, college sports has not done any disservice to these kids over the years. It's been great for, you know, tens of thousands of, of student athletes and football players, especially. And, you know, you should be able to run your own operation. You should be able to emphasize competitive equity. You should be able to do some things that are maybe not everybody agrees with them, but that you feel are important because no one's forcing these kids to go. No one's forcing these kids to come. And we've lost control of that. It's the courts and the legislature, especially the state legislature, telling us how to run our, our business now. And I think that's unfortunate. And maybe we can get some protection uh, from Congress that would would end that. I hope so anyway. Well, we will see, Mike. That's uh, that's not something you're going to have to worry about anymore. But I, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you visiting with us. Uh, as we said at the beginning, I can't believe it's it's been 10 years that, that since you and I have worked together. You've done uh, an unbelievable job uh, over that time. You've been a good friend to me all those years. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time today. Good luck as you finish out your year and good luck in your retirement. Well, thanks for the kind words, Nick. And, and the same applies to you. You've done a great job in a lot of different roles over the last decade. And you did a great job at the Big East for many years before I got there, when the Big East was a BCS conference and was extremely competitive. I hope you and, and your family and, and uh, your staff uh, all have a great holiday season and new year. And thanks for having me. And good luck. And by the way, Saturday came around. I watched almost all the bowl games, right? I was Excellent. going channel surfing back and forth. It's just a fun season. Enjoy it. And uh, congratulations on the work you've done to bring it even more attention than it was getting before. Thanks, Nick. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Tax Act knows watching college football is fun. Doing your taxes? Not so much. That's why they make filing simple. So let's get them over with. Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Our next guest was named the 28th head football coach at Jacksonville State in 2021 with a vision of leading them from the FCS to FBS Division I football. He just led the Gamecocks to their first bowl appearance and first bowl victory in the school's history with an overtime victory over Louisiana in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Please welcome to the show Jacksonville State head football coach Rich Rodriguez. Rich, thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be with you. It's all good. It's hard to believe, Rich. I was thinking uh, yesterday, it's a little over 20 years ago we met. I, I got the job as the deputy commissioner of the Big East. You just finished your first year at West Virginia. We were we were a lot younger then. Um, yeah, I know. High time flies, right? It just, uh, uh, 
Yeah, we we're talking some West Virginia stories earlier, and I'm like, yeah, just a couple years ago, but no, everything, what a lot has changed, and a lot has stayed the same. But I still enjoy doing what I'm doing, and uh, it's good to catch up with you. Well, that's uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of throw back to some of those past experiences, past bowl games in a minute. But I got to start out with a couple of days ago, Jacksonville State just won its first bowl game in school history. How was your bowl experience in general, and what does this mean for your program? Well, you know, we, we we didn't play our best. We tried to give it away. I think it might be the first, I don't know if it's history or not, that the team's ever given up 21 points on turnovers. The other team had no turnovers, and yet we still won. So uh, credit to our kids for hanging in there. Uh, it was a great experience for, you know, it was the first time, obviously, for our school uh, to be in a bowl game. We've only had, we only had one player transfer that had been in any bowl games at all. So this was a whole new experience. It's in a, a great iconic city in New Orleans. They did a great job on the bowl thing. And the whole week was was perfectly set up. They enjoyed themselves. They stayed focused. And then there was a great atmosphere for the game, and we won. So it all all capped off a, a fantastic week. But, you know, when we talk about the bowl games, but it's, it's kind of like what I talk to our players about. One of our goals as a coach is for every player to truly enjoy their experience as a player in our program. Well, the bowl added to that. And so I feel really good that every player on our team can have that experience that they can talk about the rest of their lives. What were some of the messages you told your team and, and maybe your entire university? You've been involved in a lot of bowl games for, I'm guessing, for most of the people around you at Jacksonville State. This was a brand new thing for them, right? What did you tell them to help prepare your team to go there, enjoy the bowl experience, but also win a football game? Yeah, I thought, you know, obviously we talk about keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is winning a game. But also it's it's not always easy to get in a bowl. You know, you got to have a winning season generally. Uh, you you got to have an opening. People got to want you. And then you want to make it a great experience for your team and your fans. And, you know, our fans showed up. I think we outdrew Louisiana, which was kind of the home team, only a couple hours away. And they truly enjoyed the experience. And, you know, you want it. I've been in enough of them that uh, that you, you want your players and your fans to know this is something special. You know, celebrate the week. Keep your focus on the game if you're the player and then uh, go out there and, and do the best you can because you're representing your school and your families on national TV in an iconic venue. And, you know, from that standpoint, you know, that for our guys, it couldn't have ended any better with a, with a big overtime win. Well, like I said, you're certainly no stranger to bowls. Unless my math is off, I believe this victory evens your head coaching record in bowls at six and six. So it was big. It was a big one from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. And I think, you know, they've all been a unique experience. You know, when you're when you're young and you're you're a head, you know, and a head coach, you're like, geez, I better get to a bowl game to keep my job. Now I'm to the point where I'm the other end of my career is where you want to get to a bowl game so everybody will get to experience what I had a chance to experience earlier in my career. And so, and I still had, you know, we had a blast down there. And I love being around. I have a great staff. And that was some of my staff's first time, a lot of young coaches, you know. So that was a lot, a lot of times it was their first experience coaching in a bowl game so uh we learned a lot and i think at every you know if you can learn why you're winning that's a that's a bonus so elaborate that, that about uh that a little bit we talk about how meaningful these bowl experiences are for everyone involved the lifelong memories they create tell us about some of the more memorable experiences for you during your bowl trips over the years there's i'm sure there's some on the field things and some things that happen in games i'm sure there's some things in the bowl week leading up to it that that uh, your your team was involved in what what anything that stands out yeah there uh the uh the first time i was supposed to be in new orleans for a bowl game was a sugar bowl in 2005 i was 
West Virginia. And we had a great season. We we're playing Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Well, I that remember that one well, Rich. That was big for the Big East Conference back yeah, then. Hurricane Katrina came, so they moved the game to Atlanta. So basically, it was a home game for Georgia. And all week, I can remember, you know, our guys was like, it's a home game. It's against SEC champs in Georgia. They're going to have a great crowd. I know our people will travel, but we're going to be huge underdogs, which we were. And our guys were so focused on the game. I can remember we had three straight practices down there in preparation for the game. And I don't remember one mental mistake out of anybody in the, during the week. And I'm like, this is kind of crazy. It's almost creepy how dialed in they were. And, you know, a lot of these kids were freshmen, Pat White, Steve Slayton. And so I felt really good going into the game and, and we obviously jumped on them and, and were able to win. But the the focus for our guys in the biggest game of their lives during the, that week was something I always remembered that we got to try to replicate that every year after that. Now, you can always get that kind of laser focus, but it was it was kind of neat. And actually, when we first went there, I don't know if you remember, we were originally supposed to stay in a hotel downtown. It was kind of an atrium style. And there was another, some kind of school band that was staying at the same time. And so the elevators were unavailable. There was noise all over the night. And after the first night, I told the bowl folks, I said, we ain't staying here because it's too much, too loud. And so we moved the travel squad about 30 minutes out of town, a little quiet area, and it was perfect. And so uh, it was, it was a, it was a great win. I, don't, I remember it was a big win for the conference too. So it was, a, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that big uh, got the big lead early. They chipped away at it. I think that uh, fake punt is what sealed it. That was to, yeah. We, to, we got to twenty balls calling seven. that one, coach. <laughs> yeah, well, we got up twenty eight to seven. I think it just pissed them off, and then they uh, they wind up coming back. And then it, remember, I don't know what time about five minutes ago in the game, we're near midfield, and and we had kind of the look that we wanted to run the fake and. And I'm like, I told the coaches, well, heck, the way they're driving the ball, they're either going to go 90 with it or 50 with it. Let's go for it and see if we can seal the game. And so um, the boy ran a fake punt and it worked. And so it's all good. I'll talk about your career a little bit. As we mentioned earlier, you've been the head coach at the FBS level at four institutions, West Virginia, Michigan, Arizona, now Jacksonville State. Uh, very different programs. What are some of the things you've learned along your coaching journey? And what are some of the differences you've observed across those different programs and over the course of the 20 years too, a lot has, has changed. You know, when you bring that up, it, it kind of reminds me, I, I, I hear sometimes coaches talk about, you know, I have so many years, 25 years experience, 30 years experience, whatever, but they never learned or never grew. And so they really had, had just have one year experience repeated 25 times. And if I tell our players, listen, I expect you to grow every year from well, your first year to your fourth or fifth year, wherever it is, you should be a better player every year. I expect the same thing on my staff and out of myself. So I like to think every year I'm going to learn more, try to become a better coach than I was the year before. And I certainly think that now, like we do a lot of the same stuff that I did in 2005 at West Virginia, but there's other stuff that I've learned from other coaches or other stuff I've learned along the way that I think could help us make a better program help us have a better team. And, and I continue to do that. You know, I think, you know, we had a pretty good year this year, went to a bowl game, won the first bowl game, but I'm going to take a lot of time over the next few months and say, what can we do better? What can I learn to be better next year? What does it mean for your program uh, to play in a bowl game like this? And specifically people like to say that bowl games are a reward for a successful season, which they are, but a lot of people say they're also kind of a launching point for the next season. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think the like it's almost like spring ball. We talk about spring ball. I think it's important from a teaching standpoint a little bit, but the extra practices that they say in bowl games, 
you know, I think that's totally irrelevant to the next season. Uh, I think what it's more of a reward and, and uh, you'll get a few young guys, get a couple extra practices and all that kind of stuff. But outside of that, I think it's just more of a kind of reward for the season. You kind of got to approach that thing. We have to have practice hard. This is what we do. We have to work hard. But that's just try. To, that's so we can try to win the bowl game. But as far as extra preparation for next year, I think that really doesn't come till after spring practice. There's a lot of different types of bowl games. You mentioned going to the the Sugar Bowl uh, with with West Virginia. You were at the New Orleans Bowl this week. Every bowl game is meaningful. Every bowl game is important. What do you say to people that say there's too many bowl games? That you know, and I, I can understand when you when you have uh, 82 teams or 40 some bowls. But you, if you look at what, you know, the experience that you're given to those players and even for some of the fans and, the, you know, like our band, we have a great band, 550 people, you know, experience they got, uh, you know, what, what's wrong with that? You know what I mean? It's like even when the playoffs come, sometimes it does diminish the bowls as far as maybe a sense of national importance. But as far as regional importance and importance to that institution or those players or those families, those players or anybody associated with the program, they're all good. I think there's not a bad bowl out there. They're all good bowls and they all give great experiences. Now, are they as big as the playoff bowls or anything like that? No, but you know, if you approach it the right way, they're really valuable teaching experiences, but they're also great uh, just flat out learning experiences for everybody. So I love the bowls. I think the bowl people do a great job of trying to do what they can to make everybody have a great week and they should be commended. And the television ratings are always great. Somebody's watching these games. Yeah, you know, football, is, is, it's hard to screw up college football anyway. I mean, there's there's enough things going on now to try to do it, screw it up, but <laughs> the, bowl, the bowl situation is not one of them. It's all that other stuff. But, you know, football is such a pop. There's particular college football that uh, the TV ratings, will, I think, will continue to, to grow, and I think that's a great thing. Last question for you, Rich. You were once the youngest head coach in college football when you started at Salem College in 1998. If you were to look back, today and talk to your past self when you were just getting started, what would you tell yourself? You know, back then I thought I knew what I was doing, but I really didn't. I guess I was good at faking it. You know, I think, you know, I remember Bobby Bowden when I first got introduced to him, you know, I think it was Jimbo that introduced me to him and he, and he said, he's the youngest coach in college, whatever, whatever. And Bobby said, well, the goal was to beat the oldest coach in college, not the youngest coach. Right. So I think you look back and say, learn from every one of your experiences enjoy it along the way. I've probably put, you know, probably have not enjoyed the wins enough and probably fret over the losses too much over the years. But, uh, you know, every experience has been a great one. I think more than anything, the experience that I've had with the staffs that I've been able to be a part of and obviously all the players. So, you know, I think you got to enjoy the journey more. That's my advice to coaches. Yep. Good advice. Well, Rich, Thanks so much for your time. Uh, as we said at the beginning, we've known each other a long time. We we don't always uh, we don't speak that frequently, but when we do, I always enjoy it. Uh, well, always rooted for every place you've been. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours, and appreciate you spending some time with us today. Fan of yours as well. It's great catching up. Good to see you. Take care. Take care. Well, that'll do it for this week's podcast. If you missed any of our past episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening.